On today's episode of Faith in Focus, I'm going to take a look at this issue of divorce and remarriage in the church. What the Bible says about it, what it doesn't say about it. You, like me, as you start to get older in the church, you probably have friends, family, loved ones, uh, fellow church members, or maybe you yourself have been through this marriage, divorce, struggling with remarriage, whether or not God permits it, allows it, likes it, whether he has any opinion about it at all. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. And I hope you enjoy what you listen to. church that disputes that divorce and remarriage is not a good thing. Uh, people don't even really dispute that divorce is a good thing. It's hard to grapple or debate rather the fact that God hates divorce. It literally says it in the book of Malachi. And that's often one of the verses that people go to to really uh, rail against divorce and remarriage is the fact that God hates divorce. And um, But what I want to say at the outset and kind of give you a foretaste and a foreshadowing of where this episode is going and where at least my thought process is going in all of this is God hates divorce. That's absolutely true. You couple that with Jesus's harsh sayings in the gospel that divorce and getting remarried again after divorce is adultery. That really cast a real chill on the entire conversation and really appears to kind of put the issue to, to rest completely in a lot of people's minds. But yes, God hates divorce. But guess what? God hates a lot of stuff. And that's kind of going to be one of the, the the points that I want to bring out to just, again, not, not to defend divorce and remarriage, not to alleviate the fact that God has apparently strong opinions on divorce and remarriage, but rather to, again, bring bring a little bit of balance to the issue in the sense of, not saying that God's opinion of it is any less harsh. You know, God has very harsh opinions on all sin. Why? Because he's a whole, infinitely holy and righteous God. Any sin it, it, he hates and is an abomination. I mean, it's so completely contrary to his character. So in no way in any of this episode am I defending or saying that it's okay or that it's righteous or God doesn't really care about it. It's a serious issue, and the language surrounding divorce and remarriage is serious language. Now, I, you know, I don't need to read statistics. I mean, I've got you know an article here, and I've got some statistics that I could that I could rattle through about the effects of uh, of divorce on children, on on people, the, the husbands and wives that get divorced, whether the children are infants, you know, middle aged uh, children or adults, full grown adults. Divorce is hard on families, and it's devastating to families. And people are resilient, and they can get past that. And we all know that kind of stuff. But the statistics, and maybe you're even living this. Maybe you're you are a a living example of one of these statistics that divorce sucks. It ruins people, and it ruins uh, families. It's you know, to not not to quote Miley Cyrus, but it comes in like a wrecking ball and. And just demolishes everything. It's not good. And and then it leaves parents as 
if there's children involved, as single parents. Now they're dealing with the with kids, you know, and then there's the whole co-parenting issue, which never seems to work out. That never seems to be a pretty picture. And, you know, God bless your situation. If you're in a co-parenting situation, that is great. The majority of the time it doesn't work out. But it just so affects the children involved. And, and I do think that, now, I'm sure that it's probably all part of God's judgment and his wrath. If you look at Romans 1, God hands us over to our desires. He hands us over to the things that we want to commit further acts of lawlessness and sin. And then he hands us over some more. So there's just this spiraling down effect of sin. And I'm sure that the divorce rates and the illegitimacy rates and single parenthood and just marriage, the crisis that is in, is probably a result of something like that. The, the people... Um, want what they want. Jesus says that because of the hardness of your hearts, the fact that you so want your own way and that you you can't stay married to somebody, so God permits divorce. Because of that mentality in humanity, we just spiral down and down and it affects. So when you've got somebody who's been divorced and then they have children, those children are affected that. So it almost like multiplies that. Now you've got these children two, three, four, five children, however many people are in a family. Now they are affected by this. And so then they deal with their own issues. Absent mother, if the mother's gone, and absent father, if the father's gone. And right from the outset, I, I don't want to be, I'm in no way criticizing single parents. But if you're honest, as a single parent, you have to recognize that single parenthood is not the ideal. And it's not great, and it's much, much harder to be as good of a single parent as you would be with a with a with a spouse and in an intact, loving, and godly family. It's just harder. I mean, just on a practical level, it doesn't even take much common sense to realize that. Why is this? One of the reasons I always think is just think of the classic example. You've got a single woman with a couple kids and you're going through the grocery store and you see her and the kids are you know hanging off carts or running around or grabbing things off the shelves and it's just chaotic maybe you think man i wish this woman would just you know discipline these kids or maybe you feel sympathy i don't know what you think maybe it's a mix of both sometimes but you just look at that situation and you realize that's this woman's life all the time She can't, just on a simple uh, pragmatic basis, when you're a single parent, you can't ever tag out. You can't ever say, listen, you know, to your spouse, hey, listen, can you just watch the kids? I want to go to the grocery store in peace. And sometimes maybe that feels like a vacation, but you just get away some silence. You can do things in peace. You want to go to the gym or you want to go to the movies or you want to go hang out with friends. Everything in your life becomes more complicated and almost impossible unless you've got a support structure around you, parents, grandparents who can watch the kids, if you can afford a babysitter. Most parents can't afford a babysitter, but they're stuck having to afford some kind of childcare because they have to work. In marriage, you can have the the choice to say, hey, listen, one of us is going to stay home and raise the kids. The other is going to go and make money to pay the bills. As a single parent, you don't have that option. So by default, the only parent that that child knows is absent for a large part of their life. Either the, the one parent who doesn't have custody with them at the moment is not there, and then the, the other parent, excuse me, the other parent 
is gone because they have to work. They have to go do other things. So then there's these children who are raised by somebody else who may not share your values. Often they're shipped off to public schools who definitely probably don't share your values if you're a conservative Christian. So just practically, it's not as good. It doesn't mean that, you know, I'm sure that there's people out there saying, well, you know, I can, I'm a single parent and I raise my kids better than so-and-so that I know who's married. You know, of course, obviously that's the case. You know, I can name somebody who had a child while still a virgin. That doesn't mean it's the norm. That's, that's called an exception to the rule. The rule is that husband, wife, father, mother, that's the ideal. And of course, obviously, this is all under the, the leadership of, of God and of Christ. And it's a godly home. I mean, that is the ideal. And, you know, people will say, well, it's, you know, it would be better for a woman and the kids to be gone if the husband's abusive. Okay, like, I know all that stuff, and that's not necessarily things that I want to get into on this podcast. But I just want to establish that single parenthood, um, and that's really kind of the issue when it comes to divorce and remarriage. If there's no kids involved, most people say, you know, I just, I'm I'm so thankful that there's not kids involved. That would make things infinitely harder and obviously so as a single person you can just go on and, and continue living your life and, and there's a little bit more f- freedom if i can use that word but people in this situation this is just a reality and so i guess my point in saying all that is once you're divorced and then all of those factors those those external factors of you know having to be absent from the child's life not having both parents in the children's life to influence them that then impacts the children, and they grow up with these, um, if I can say the word deficiency in a gracious way, they're just lacking things that children need. So then they are at a higher risk of drug abuse, alcoholism, crime, violence, poor relationships, because they never have an example of what a godly husband and a godly wife look like, so they have no idea. They're just guessing now, and then they go off and get married, and they just repeat that process, and it just keeps going, and that spiral just keeps going down and down. So I guess what I'm saying is this issue of divorce and remarriage has to be looked at with all of that stuff in mind. You know, raising children, a culture that raises children predominantly in single homes is not a good, it's not going to be a recipe for a good culture. And so the church has to understand that, I think. So obviously, you know, I'm not going to rattle through all the passages. There's there's really, honestly, not that many passages in the Bible that speak of divorce and remarriage. There's obviously the Malachi passage, God hates divorce. We all know that. God does not like divorce. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, I don't think God has a problem with divorce and remarriage. You know, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> maybe you're... Maybe you're not reading the Bible. God does not like this. So, And then there's obviously the really harsh passage in Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus talks about uh, this idea of divorce. That the, This is in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, whoever divorces his wife must give her a legal document. But I say that anyone who divorces his wife except for immorality makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So that's really hard. I mean, adultery is really bad. I mean, it's... It's one of the big ten. So this this idea of divorce and remarriage, that, that then causes adultery. And it's kind of as harsh, just as an aside. Why does Jesus say if you, as the husband, divorce your wife, you cause her to commit adultery? I mean, that doesn't really seem fair. What, she didn't have any say, especially back in that culture, she didn't have any say in the matter. If the husband said, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, I mean, it was over. You're, 
you're divorced at that point. So wh- why did he say that you're forcing your wife to commit adultery? I think because Jesus recognized that in his culture, in that time period, women were not educated. They didn't have skills. They didn't have trades. If a woman was divorced and forced into uh, singleness, um, she was basically by default forced to get remarried. I mean, either that or become like a prostitute. I mean, to, to pay the bills and to provide and, and not be homeless and destitute. I mean, it, it was really not good. So he's assuming if you divorce your wife, you're forcing her to marry somebody else by default. And, and so he's saying that's adultery. And then whoever marries her is adultery. And if you marry somebody else, that's adultery. So there's all this adultery talk, and that really casts a chill on the whole conversation. And really, I think in a lot of people's minds, basically puts an end to it right there. That, that's the end of the conversation. And then, of course, in Matthew 19, Mark 10, and, and Luke as well, Jesus talks about this divorce and remarriage thing. Hey, God permitted divorce because of the hardness of your hearts, but he didn't intend it to be that way because you're so stubborn. God had to basically provide a way for you to legally divorce. And so that kind of even, even in that, it gives you this picture that God has what he wants and yet he recognizes the reality of what is. And then he provides flexibility with things that he does not want. Just because God says, I'm allowing you to divorce, does not mean he likes divorce. He's permitting it. Does not mean he likes it or that it's ideal in, in any sense. So, but those passages, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're all the same passage, really. So you've got God hates divorce in Malachi, Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, and then this Mark, Luke, uh, Matthew passage that's all really the same account, just told three different ways. And then there's the classic one in 1 Corinthians 7, where Paul talks about, I mean, he kind of runs the gamut of unmarried, married, divorced, widowed, single, virgin, which, you know, never married. I mean, he just kind of goes through the whole thing answering the, the questions that the Corinthians have. And he'll talk about, you know, well, if you're married, but your spouse is unmarried, and well, you know, and the, the Lord says this, but I say this, and, you know, and so it's his opinion kind of mixed in with what Jesus says, and and. and and I'm not necessarily going to delve into that passage or try to dissect it because it's a it's a debated passage. People are unclear of what Paul's language sometimes means when he says unmarried. Somebody who's divorced, are they technically unmarried? Um, some people say no, they're still married even though they are legally divorced. They're still married. So they wouldn't fall under that category of unmarried. But some people say no, you're unmarried. You've been divorced. So does what Paul says to the unmarried, does that... Does that count for the person who's been divorced and the reason why this is not a clear issue is because there's not a lot of clarity in the bible there's just not much that speaks about it so i don't want to just necessarily delve into what the bible says or it doesn't say because ultimately what comes down to is i could have my interpretation and usually my interpretation unfortunately when we interpret the bible we kind of already have in mind what we want to be true and we interpret the Bible in light of that. So I'm not even going to delve into that necessarily to justify or not justify uh, divorce and remarriage. I want to just, I want to look at this issue in reality, kind of like Jesus said, you know, God permits divorce because of the reality of the fact that humans are sinful and they're going to get divorced anyways. So God permits it. I want to look at this issue of divorce and remarriage in that light, the, the reality of the fact that divorce happens and, and then single parenthood 
happens because of divorce. That's the reality. It's not an ideal. If Adam and Eve had never eaten that fruit, we wouldn't even be talking about this right now. But the reality is divorce happens. So the, the crux of what I want to say, and this is not to persuade you. If you are if you're listening to this and you are convinced in your mind that divorce and remarriage is never permissible under any circumstance, I don't want to dissuade you of that opinion, okay? I, I, I firmly believe that this is one of those disputable matters, not disputable whether or not divorce is wrong and remarriage is adultery. I mean, that seems crystal clear. But Paul says you have to be convinced in your own mind and that whatever is not of faith is sin. So if you are not convinced that remarriage is permissible, then do not do, don't let what I'm saying give you permission to do something that violates your conscience. So I want to say that from the outset. But I do want to share, because I think there are some people who struggle and they're not convinced on this issue, and they found themselves in this position of being divorced, and they're just, they're stuck. Maybe they're in that situation where Paul says, hey, listen, if you're burning with passion, you know, your sexual desires are just so out of control, and you can't control it, and, and you need that marriage, but you're just stuck. Now I'm divorced, I can't get remarried because that's adultery and God doesn't want that. God wouldn't want me to commit adultery. You know, I get, you know, I, I get that. That's, that's a very ethical struggle and a moral struggle. Uh, or maybe you're a mom or a dad who's a single parent and you're just thinking, I can't do this. Like this is too difficult. And, you know, and, and you're just struggling, you know, you just know it would be so much easier if you were married. Um, I would never advocate just get remarried for the sake of getting remarried. And I kind of want to touch on that a little bit later, but what I do want to compare this to, to just hopefully broaden your thinking on this issue just a little bit, if you are one of the hardline people that no, you are never, ever permitted to get remarried, and if you do, like that's the end of the world. <clears throat> I want you to just think about Rahab. Remember the story of Rahab? The spies come into to Jericho, the Israelite spies, and Rahab, who's in Jericho, she's a, a prostitute. She probably runs a brothel, so she's not really a savory character to begin with. But she is a believer in God and a believer that God has uh, delivered Israel from Egypt and they are going to come into Jericho and, and clean up house. She's a believer in the power and the reality of God and his mission he's given to the Israelites. So she's a believer in that. The Israelite spies come to her home and, and she hides them. And then when the people of Jericho come and say, hey, are you hiding any Israelite spies in here? She says, no, I'm not. And so she lies to them. And of course, this can be compared to people who, you know, hid Jewish people during uh, the Holocaust. And, and they lied. There was deception involved. Now, because adultery sounds harsher than lying, I mean, because, I mean, let's be realistic. Not every one of us commits adultery, at least the act of adultery. But all of us have lied. So in our minds, we think, well, lying's not that bad. But... The Proverbs say, lying lips are an abomination to God. God does not like lying. And he goes so far as to say, Satan is the father of lies. So God is uncompromising when it comes to truth and, and, and his dislike for lying. And yet, you've got Rahab who lies. She lies to uh, the, 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 Jer the people in Jericho. 
And she's actually called righteous for doing that. And we look at her and say, well, that's a righteous act. And the people who hid the Jews during the Holocaust, those people were righteous people. I mean, those were right. They may not have been righteous in a biblical sense, but that was a good moral act. And God would have been pleased with that rather than handing the Jews over to the Nazis to be exterminated. Another example of this, where lying and deception was viewed as a positive was when Pharaoh gave the order to execute the Egypt or the Israelite babies when they were born, the Israelite boys. And the the midwives wouldn't do that. They they knew that that was morally reprehensible and it was a terrible thing. So they lied. They they not only disobeyed their government, they lied actively to their government and said, "Oh yeah, no, they just have the babies too quickly. We can't get there in time." And you know, I, I don't know why Pharaoh accepted that as an answer. If, to me, it would be like, "Well, take the baby out of the mom's hand and throw it into the Nile River." But they lied, and, and they were deemed, that's a righteous act. That's what God wanted them to do. Now, why is that? This is, this is what's hard for some of us who really struggle with this black and white. Yes, no, and there can be no compromise on that. We struggle with that because it is wrong. Lying is wrong. There's, there's no denying that. But the reality is that we live in a world where sometimes you're not faced with, oh, you know, should I murder this person or should I love them? It's it's never that clear cut. It's like, man, neither one of these options is good. I live in a fallen world, and this world is terrible. There's not a, there's not a moral option before me. There's not a righteous action before me. So then this is what's called situational ethics. What is the ethical choice given the situation that you are in? It doesn't take away from the fact that God likes lying or adultery any more or any less it's the reality of this is the situation you're in it's a mess of a situation so so what's the best course forward with Rahab and the women, the midwives they lied that doesn't mean it's okay to lie all the time it, it's just that's the reality that's the best course forward so in today's culture here's what I want to say single parenthood being single even if there's not kids involved, being single where you uh, are burning with passion, again, to go back to what Paul says, you, you, your sexual desires are so acute. And again, I've been told, I've never been married, but I've been told that, you know, once you've been married and you've been able to regularly have that sexual interaction, it's much harder to go back to not having it. So that's it's even worse as a single person. Even though there's not kids involved, it's like man, I can't even, I can't even serve the Lord because this now I've got this sexual sin that I can't get control of. These thoughts, these images in my mind, all this stuff. And again, Paul would say, you know, just get married, just, just, just do that. So, is he when he says an unmarried person, is he referring to a divorced person? Again, obviously people debate that. And I'm not necessarily sure what the right answer is. But I do know that a person who's just, man, I really want to serve God. And I'm not I'm not saying that they, I'm not talking about somebody who really has no interest in the things of the Lord. This is a person who's serving the Lord. They've been divorced for whatever reason. And they're just like, listen, I can't do this. I'm struggling. <clears throat> I think that God would say, listen, you don't have a good choice before you. It's be miserable and, 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 and struggling in the sexual sin or just get married well but that's adultery jesus says that's adultery yeah and lying to the the people in jericho that's lying it doesn't make it not lying it doesn't make it not adultery we're looking at a crappy situation 
And what is the best course forward? And I think it becomes even more acute when there's children involved. Okay, so we've talked about, you know, we know, and we've already discussed it and mentioned just not having two parents is devastating for children. Even when, even in the secular world, we're not even talking as Christians. But in the church, we know, man, the husband and wife represent Christ and the church. The love that God has for his church. And the imagery that can be displayed in a, in a loving union, in a loving marriage. Um, you know, that's incalculable. That, that is a witness to the watching world of what God can do in a godly marriage. I'm not talking about someone who's just like, oh, I just tired of these kids and I just need to get married because I, you know, want to, you know, not be single anymore. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody who's, man, I really want to raise my children to love God. How can I do that when I'm just a single mom and there's no godly dad? I'm not saying it can't be done. Just I want to keep putting asterisks after that. I'm not saying it can't be done, but man, you're really struggling. They don't have a godly dad in their life. They don't have a godly mother in their life to raise them. Now, I have to send them to public schools because I don't have a, a mom here who can homeschool them. Like, I mean, these are real issues. And if you just have the idea that, well, it's, adul- it's adultery if you get remarried. You can never do it. Case closed. Well, then I'm not, you know, with God, all things are possible. And there, I'm sure that there are testimonies of people who come from broken homes, who had a single parent, who have gone on to serve the Lord and have done great. We're talking generally, that's not the way things happen. And it's just a mess of a situation. So, you know, I just want to wrap this up by saying, listen, I'm not saying that divorce and remarriage is a-okay with God. I'm not saying that God likes divorce and God likes remarriage. Any more than God likes lying. You know, if you lie to somebody, that's not okay. But when you're faced with a situation of, well, I got the Jews hiding in the closet, and I got a Nazi at my door asking if I have any Jews inside, hmm, what's what's the right response here? I, I would hope that you would lie and say, no, no, there's no Jews hiding in the closet. And so when you're faced with this awful situation, maybe what God has for you if you've been divorced is now singleness. And that's why this is another issue where it's hard for people because we, we just want the, tell me what the, the right answer is, the black or white answer. Well, guys, that's law. That's legalism. We just want to know. I mean, we don't even have to consult God. Just tell me what the rules are and I'll follow them. And I'm saying, hey, you know, it might not be that easy. Uh, you know, in some cases where like lying seems like, man, that would really get me off the hook, God might be saying, hey, Tell the truth in this instance, and I will handle the consequences. So maybe you're a single parent with kids, and you're thinking, man, life would be a whole lot easier if I just got remarried. God might be saying, hey, listen, I know that, but what I want for you is singleness, and I want you to raise these children as best as you possibly can. But maybe he's saying, listen, you need the help. You are not in a situation. And these kids, God knows what's going to happen to your children down the line, he might be saying, listen, what these what these children need is a godly woman and a godly father. That doesn't mean just go on a dating site or go to the bar and pick up some random guy because, well, they need to have a father or a mother in their life. No. Pursue a godly person that God has for you that will raise your children or marry you and as a team you can fulfill the Great Commission, serve the Lord, Remove all those distractions and those hindrances that are besetting you in your Christian life. And just just move forward. Is it still adultery? Yeah. And 
do you have to wrestle with that? You sure do. But I, I just want us to realize that things are a lot more complicated than that's adultery. No. Or that's lying. No. We live in a fallen world, people. We live in a sinful world. Bad things happen, and sometimes we're faced with no clear option. So that's what I have for you. Probably didn't clear up any issues if you've listened to this and you've wondered, well, is it okay to get divorced and remarried? And what situations can you get divorced and remarried? It's probably not any clearer in your mind after listening to this, but I just wanted to bring that issue into this lens of, well, wait a second. What does God really think about this issue in light of all that is true? And the fact that, listen, divorce, not good. The the reverberations of divorce and singleness and single parenthood, rather, uh, are, are devastating for children. So if you have any questions, if you have any comments, please feel free to reach out to me, uh, give me feedback, or uh, challenge what I've said. I would love to hear from you. Thanks. While Faith and Focus is a ministry of in faith, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast don't necessarily reflect the views and opinions of in faith as a mission. If you like what you heard on this episode, why don't you become a monthly supporter of the ministry? It really helps me out $10 a month or whatever the Lord lays on your heart. So if you're interested in becoming a partner, uh, you can text the word discipleship to 41444 or head over to infaith.org backslash Dennis dash Sotherby. And if you have any questions or topics that you would like me to address on a future episode of Faith and Focus, why don't you shoot me an email? You can email me at DennisSotherby at InFaith.org. Just put in the subject line, question for Faith and Focus or something like that. Uh, So I can see it, know that it's from you, and know that it's an issue that you'd like me to address. 